0: The most unremarkable of events. Jerome Morrow, navigator first class, is about to embark on a one-year manned mission to Titan. The 14th moon of Saturn. A highly prestigious assignment, although for Jerome, selection was virtually guaranteed at birth. He's blessed with all the gifts required for such an undertaking. A genetic quotient second to none. No, there is truly nothing remarkable about the progress of Jerome Morrow. Except that I am not Jerome Morrow. I was conceived in the Riviera, not the French Riviera, the Detroit variety. They used to say that a child conceived in love has a greater chance of happiness. They don't say that anymore. I'll never understand what possessed my mother to put her faith in God's hands rather than those of her local geneticist. 10 fingers, 10 toes, that's all that used to matter. Not now. Now, only seconds old, the exact time and cause of my death was already known. Neurological condition, 60% probability. Manic depression, 42% probability. Attention deficit disorder, 89% probability. Heart disorder, 99% probability. Early fatal potential, life expectancy, 30.2 years.
1: The name for the certificate, Anton?
0: No, um, Vincent Anton.
2: Surrounded by movie podcasts, three men will risk it all to try to stand out from the herd. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast with your hosts, Eric Branstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now you are looking live and listening live this is the edition of the show that we call episode 21 we made it guys by the way we did 20 episodes that's pretty cool uh Uh, travis roy's with me travis what do you think of that
3: i think we're, we're old enough to drink now so i'm gonna have this this beer here i'm having a long trail from uh uh, I don't know where they're from, but I'm
2: having a, a, a new trail, rather,
3: and uh, enjoying myself a Philadelphia beer here in Michigan, my last Philadelphia beer that I brought with me when I moved.
2: Wow, <laughs> oh, that's going to be bittersweet. Well, I wish you the best. It's good. Uh, Eric Bransham from Griffith, Indiana. What kind of beer do they have in Griffith, Indiana? I've got three breweries literally right down the street from me, so even though I'm
1: in the middle of nowhere and it's Indiana, it's still pretty cool. Yep, it's the
3: yeah, Midwest,
2: love, man. Breweries are love, everywhere.
1: Yeah,
3: I love the craft revolution. It's, it's fantastic. Just microbreweries all over. Yay!
2: Yeah. Well, this is episode 21 of the Cinema 9 Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, Cinema 9 Podcast. Uh, Cinema 9, Cinema underscore 9 pod. What is it? I don't know what it is. Cinema under 9, word? under something, I don't know, it's in English anyway. <laughs> it's Cinema 9 Pod on Twitter and Cinema <laughs> 9 Pod on Instagram. You'll find it. You're, you're a savvy Internet user, you'll figure it out, and of course, uh, you can email the show. I mean, Haven't email in a bit. We would love to get an email uh, <laughs> every time we do this. Too, I think of um the old
3: SNL skit when it was like the Robert Smith, like the from the Cure, like but it was like a phone sex thing, and he would be like, "Oh, I'm so lonely. Won't somebody call me?" And that's what I feel like every time we get to this part of the show. But yes, please, we're so lonely. Won't somebody email us and just ask us any old question about movies? We we would really appreciate it.
2: Please. please we Please. feel like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, come on, Check <clears throat> us out. It'll be fun. Uh, all right, so this is the Cinema Nine podcast, uh, gentlemen. We're going to do Gattaca. Gattaca is the focus of our "Does It Hold Up" 1997 masterpiece. Well, we'll talk about that as we get into the middle of the show, and of course, we'll close with our quarantine viewing picks, as we always do, because you know that's what the show's about—giving you viewing choices. Yeah. But first, we're going to open the show with biopics
3: and (laughs) running jokes sorry
2: we all decided to come up with our own biopic that we wanted to see made or we wanted to create right i mean i'm not sure what the parameter was on this but we
3: we were a little loosey-goosey with the rules i came up with a few this time i don't don't know if we were supposed to like you know figure out who the dp was who was running the honey wagon um but (laughs) uh (laughs) but uh yeah i got i got a few options
2: well great kick it off travis go ahead
3: well, first, before I do that, I, I want to comment on that. This is like something that we've talked about doing for a long time, probably even well before we had the podcast. This would have been like a recurring conversation for us. Like, who what's biopic? What's biopic? Because we make the same joke over and over again. Do you want to see? And like I've, I always wanted to see. Um, I always wanted to see uh, Well, they made. Harriet recently. Right. Um about yeah. Harriet Tubman, which I really wanted to see the movie about her, and uh, Cynthia Erivo was like perfect casting for her. And then they made this movie, just like utter fiction and completely not remotely based in reality, almost. <laughs> and then at the very end, they're like, they briefly comment on the super fascinating fact that she like ran a battalion during the the Civil War, and like, and like make that like a, the last thing they say, like, what? That probably would have been a good movie. Why didn't you make that movie
2: instead of this fiction? Yeah. But I yeah, always wanted to a- see
3: one about her. Yeah, it was a book Yeah,
2: I didn't even see it because it seemed like it was just like Hollywood trash.
0: It was, man.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm glad she was nominated for it and stuff, but and then I, I've always wanted to see a John Brown movie, and now we got the Showtime yeah. series coming yeah. up with Ethan, with Ethan playing him. Which, very excited. And I've always wanted to see a Sammy Davis biopic, and Charles Murray is writing one right mm. now. I don't, know, I don't know who's gonna play him, but I'm. Uh, but those were the ones I've.
1: If you'd asked me this like a year ago, these, these would have been my answers. Don Cheeto did a great fucking job in the HBO Rat pack film. Oh man, he, he would do he would do great at it again um, if they cast
3: him again, but they pro- they're probably will shoot younger. Um but so Aww. my number, my number 3 here I, there, I know in no real particular order. Actually, I've only got two. So, um since I already kind I of talked you. about other things for a while. Um the one I want to talk about first is uh there's a woman named Elizabeth Van Lu. Um, Ooh, she is a uh, if you're she's a historical figure. There's a book called Southern Lady Yankee Spire, uh, Southern Lady Yankee Spy, written by a historian named Elizabeth Varen. This is when I was becoming a historian. This is one of the first books I read that really uh, just kind of slammed into me because it was such a great narrative. This woman was a uh, she lived in the heart of Richmond and was like it came from like a, a well to do family and like had slaves originally as, when she was growing up. And then once she came into the money uh, and ran the household because um, she inherited it from her father, uh, she ended up being a spy for the Union and like, uh, oh, uh, and, and also engaged in all kinds of like uh, smuggling of of slaves uh, out of Richmond and slug- smuggling. Uh, uh, there was a very famous prison, uh, Union or a Confederate prison in Richmond and she would like sneak uh she would either sneak stuff in like contraband into that prison or she would like sneak people out sometimes. So she had this really fascinating life and there was like a there's an alternate version of her in the in the union there was a Confederate spy that was also a woman like hooked into the society uh upper society. So I think that that would make a great movie uh ba- based on her book and I think Kathy Bates would be ideal, oh. ideal for playing her. I I think that there needs to be more movies uh, about women in there you know who over 40 for god's sake uh let's put you know it huh. doesn't all have to be helen mirren either um so this is hollywood
2: right you're talking about yeah. Hollywood.
3: yeah i am talking about hollywood but I, i'd love to see kathy oh, yeah. bates in the starring role again and that's my that's <laughs> my number two
2: i guess out of two wow okay well, that's very detailed i i am curious i would like to you see to look that. that up eric uh, what did you come up with
1: you know, I got two as well, and oddly enough, they're both about uh, drunk writers, so
2: this should oh be boy. fun. Oh, boy. Yeah. It <laughs> <I mean, laughs> that sounds like a movie you alley. wouldn't want to watch.
1: Are you kidding me? That's like... <laughs> 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 Literally you, right up my alley. Uh, did you watch but,
2: that uh, Bukowski movie that Matt Dillon starred in? Have you Factotum. That that oh, oh, yeah, Factotum. Really. It's
1: pretty good. It's no barfly, but it, it's pretty good. Yeah, okay. so... Um, I. We never have really been given a good, uh, faithful biopic on the life of biopic, but bi- yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying biopic, <laughs> I'm saying it for about 25 years. I'm not, I can't go there. So, we've never really seen a good, uh, biopic on Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, I feel like I've seen like some dramatizations on like the History Channel stuff, but nothing really faithful in terms of. Yeah. Uh, you know the later years of his life when his his um wife virginia dies and he checks back in with his childhood sweetheart and he literally and very likely almost gets you know body swapped for <laughs> for the purposes purposes of uh you know further voting in his in his state uh but uh i, I think the man to do the job is probably andrew dominic who did uh, Jesse james uh i'd like to see him uh Reteam uh with his star from that, you know, one of his co-stars from that movie. Casting Edgar Allan Poe is a real, real tough because he was only 40 when he died. And some of the guys that they had bandied about for years, like Robert Downey Jr., uh, maybe even Casey Affleck. I'm not really feeling, but uh, this guy, Garrett Dillahunt, has been impressing me lately. I think he'd be pretty good as kind of the tortured writer towards the end of his life. You could kind of intermix some of his stories like they're coming into his real life and he can't tell fiction from reality and he's in the sanitarium. He's being haunted by some of his characters from the, from his books. And, you know, just get a look at a tortured soul in the 19th century. I think it could be pretty interesting.
2: Hmm. Well,
1: uh, boy, does that sound like a fun movie though? Oh, I don't care if it's fun. I love depressing, really boring dramas.
3: What about the Raven where John Cusack played him and, and like he was supposed to be like solving mysteries and he was like playing Edward, this version of Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe that was really famous in his lifetime. Does that sound good? That was <laughs> shit, Travis. I, I figured it
2: was. <laughs> that's why I didn't catch it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, uh, I, I'd watch your movie. If you made that movie, I would watch it. It sounds like fun. Eric, if you make a new uh, movie, I promise I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm always down for that. Uh, I I had one, and I thought about this one a long time ago, so it's always been on my mind. Um, Governor. Okay, so this guy's named Lou Wallace, and he was governor of the The New Mexico Territory. Yeah, the Lincoln County War. He was a part of, he was familiar with Billy Kidd and all that stuff. Billy the Kid in the New Mexico Territory. He was a governor. He was also a Civil War general on the northern side for the Union. And he also wrote Ben-Hur, which is not my favorite book, but it's certainly relevant. So he has an interesting life. I find it to be a peculiar existence. And I thought maybe it'd be fun to see a whole kind of biopic of his life from the because he was also in the Mexican-American uh, mm-hmm. conflict. So he's, he had a long military history. And then he wrote this Ben-Hur book in 1880. <laughs> and uh, he lived out his days as a uh minister to the ottoman empire so maybe there's a whole thing about that later mm. in his life mm. yeah that's cool interesting. Like, yeah there's a lot of like interesting ways you could go i'm sure he's a white man yeah i know we've seen Ooh, a lot of like yeah i know mm. well
3: shit uh, oh shit i'm worried about my pick now my next pick
2: yeah. <laughs> but uh you know he was played on film already once in the young guns 2 the that's sequel right. which he some say him. is the, he was played by the legendary Scott Wilson, who has departed. He oh, died recently, I believe. Oh
3: you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Love Scott Wilson. Scott Wilson's yeah. in. Uh, he, we, Scott Wilson in, got his start early in career. He, in he the heat of the great. night. In yeah. Cold in the one. heat of the night. Yep. In cold yeah, blood. Murder. Awesome. And uh, he was also in the way of the gun. He plays the scumbag oil magnet who wants his child no matter what it takes. And uh, I like Scott Wilson. He did a good job as Lou Wallace. Nice. Lou Wallace has a long beard. So you can really cover up anybody. Uh, to play Lou Wallace. And it was really hard to think of anyone in particular. I mean, I'd do an open casting call. I'm willing to start with a fresh <laughs> face. I think you George
3: Wendt is free. Let's get George Wendt.
2: <laughs> he's a little. He wasn't as. Uh, I don't know if he's spelt enough. Uh, unless George had, you know, gastric bypass. I don't know. I don't know what George looks like anymore. But
3: I, I, I'll have to check.
2: I'll ask him. At any rate, uh, you know, I would like to see this. Mo- I think it'd be a curious movie. And, you know, there's a lot of other movies that maybe I could think of doing. But it'd been on my mind for a while. So I thought I'd throw it out there. I don't uh, like Christ. I'm not a big Christ guy. Uh, you know, ben Hur. Not I don't a big like Christ, Christ guy. Ben Hur is not like a movie. Or, I've never read the book for sure, and I've hardly <laughs> watched Ben Hur. We've seen uh, Charlton Heston in Ben Hur, and that's like a classic Hollywood thing. But you know, maybe yeah. we should get away from white people and start looking <laughs> at other, like, different. Stories and I sure, kind of sure. realized that now as I'm going live with this, so. with oh, well. with
3: this with two other white guys
2: telling, yeah, us, well, that's true, yeah, that's true. We're white yeah. people and it'll never change. However, I am Jewish, I do understand pain, so I want to get that on the record. So. <laughs> uh, Travis, what, what else do you got?
3: I'm a Gentile, and my my second choice is, um, <laughs> uh, I, it's I'm a big Edward Gorey fan, I love oh. Edward Gorey. Oh. I love his work. I know I know it's uh, maybe a little hot topic for me to still love Edward Gorey. But, I'm, uh, you know, I love that that kind of Victorian style that I love creepy children's shit. You know, obviously, this would be something that Tim Burton could handle yes. really well. Oh, uh, like, like he, well, not like uh, Willy Wonka, but something more like Big Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, I think yeah. that, that that he would, be, and, and and Edward Gore, I mean, like, he had such an interesting life. Not just, I mean, like, he hated children, he was such an iconoclast. <laughs> um, he was he was an asexual at a time when there really wasn't a word for that. Um, and I think that he'd be very, I think it probably make for a really nice, like, you know, dramatic slice of life, like, uh, portrait of, a, of an artist. And I think I'd like to see him played by uh, I, I could see John Malkovich or maybe Ed Harris doing that.
1: Oh, yeah, wow. I like that. Yeah. Ed Harris, Ed Harris could direct. He did a fucking awesome job with Pollock. Yeah, that's true.
2: That did happen. I did a detailed report on Jackson Pollock um, in high school.
1: Hmm.
2: That's fascinating. That's yeah. real interesting, Michael. Nobody cares about that. Hearing- <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hello? Why am I hearing myself? Yeah, I heard oh. a little echo, too. Why would I hear myself? I have headphones on. Why am I, I not myself? myself? I have this headphones on also. This is odd. That is odd. All right. Well, whatever. Hey, no, <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's happening? Anywho, hey, wait, uh, uh, Eric, did you have any more? Was that it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got another one. So uh, the next film. Okay. This is how I visualize it. It opens up on a rural country road on the East coast and an older man's walking down the street. Unbeknownst to him, a van is flying down the road and there it is in a split second. It nails him. Sends the dude like flying. going. Oh, the car door, the van door opens and a clown shoe hits the ground. And the clown shoes start walking towards the, the man that's lying on the ground. There we go. Fucking Pennywise. And he kneels down and hands uh, almost dead, near dead, Stephen King, a red balloon. Stephen King looks at him, chortling blood, saying, you know, it's now, now, now. And And we cut to like 1973. So we're telling the story of a young Stephen King. Out of his mind on alcoholism, Mm
0: -hmm. teaching
1: English, being a janitor overnight, and like on his third job working at a fucking washing machine company, he's a struggling writer and an alcoholic. So this is an opportunity to, it's kind of like half Nelson meets something like leaving Las Vegas with some horror thrown in because I want him to have like nightmares, be inspired Mm -hmm. by some characters that are coming to visit him. So we're going to tell the Stephen King story, how he became sober how he did what he had to do to to climb out of the pit of hell to become the great literary genius we know him at. This is a great idea. Who do you see playing him? That was fucking tough. I spent all week trying to figure this out. Um, I narrowed it down to either, because we're talking like when he's like maybe 25, it doesn't seem like it looking at those old photos where he's just this bear of a man with the big glasses. But I had to look at people like Will Poulter, uh british actor who's very fine uh in bandersnatch and the revenant i took a i i continuously thought about maybe jesse plemons because he's a big very odd looking guy an incredible fucking actor um Maybe even if we could beef up Eddie Redmayne and get him looking a little haggard, because he's an incredible actor, <laughs> but we might have to do an open casting call on this.
3: Well, one. it would—I think it also have to be someone a little bit older than. I mean, because like, I mean, if you're kind of talk about him when he was hit by the car. I mean, he was like, he was like in his late 40s. Yeah, I I would show that from
1: like far away. You really wouldn't like get a good look at him and all that stuff. But yeah, I thought about maybe Bill Hader, but we got the whole Stephen King's It film. But you know, that's all right. right I think that's that's the best casting you've made yet. He's like in his mid 40s, but we could play around with the time.
2: But that that could be interesting. I think it's a great idea. Run it. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, All right. My last one is. I think this would be a great one. And there's been a great documentary already done on her. So that's a good that's a good one to check out. You should watch it. I think I saw it on Netflix. It probably may still be on Netflix. I have no idea. I'm never on Netflix, but I hear good things. Uh, the Hedy Lamar story. Hedy Lamar, oh, she's yeah, an actor, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. But she's so much more. You know, she yeah. helped create the technology that is created, by. you know, as. Wi-Fi now and Bluetooth. She's responsible for that. She created that during the World War II time just for fun on the side. And she was totally dismissed because she was a woman and she didn't get the credit for it that she deserves. She's getting it now. But, you know, after the fact, But she was originally just this, like, you know, very beautiful actress in the early days of Hollywood. And the uh, <laughs> story is highly fascinating. There's a lot of angles, a lot of ways to go. You know, you could look at her personal life too. You know, you could dive into those situations. She was also a recluse, and she really didn't like the attention as she got older. She's like, "Leave me alone and fuck off." And, <laughs> and, uh, I like that too. I, there's just a lot of fun angles, and you know, as far as who would play her, there's, you know, there's always. There's always a beautiful woman out there who could play, but who could be the beautiful woman who could also match the wits and the sarcasm and the deep intelligence that she displayed and offered to the world? That's the mystery. That's the key. You got to put it all together into one. And uh, I don't know. That's tough. I'd, I'd be open to suggestions. I I kind of thought maybe Gal Gadot. Uh, she's a lovely woman, and <laughs> she's uh, she's
1: literally filming the miniseries right now as Hetty Lamar. <laughs> oh, it's happening. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm dead, I'm dead serious <laughs> for Apple TV. <laughs> you
3: need to do your research, buddy. Wow.
1: <laughs> Tony yeah. I feels hey, great minds think alike. Hey, exactly. <laughs> but obviously you're
3: you're destined to be some sort of casting director.
1: That biotech's <laughs> been toiling around for years and Hathaway was attached. But did you see uh bombshell on Netflix?
2: Uh, I don't like wait. it's not
1: a biopic but it's like the, the, the documentary? documentary on her yeah yeah
2: yeah that's what i was talking that's what i was alluding to when i first started this yeah really so, good. oh yeah it's great okay. it's outstanding so that's why i said that was already well done but i thought maybe a more so it's already being done okay great well hey congratulations <laughs> hollywood or whoever the hell's doing it well done congratulations gail Gadot. even better I, and, uh, I hope she does well i root for you gail you're an israelite <laughs> and i approve of you <laughs> okay uh so that's pretty much it i mean are we done is that it i'm done yeah, I'm, out. It for me. I'm done okay yeah, I'm done. biopics biopics <laughs> keep making
3: that think. joke forever so no it'll forever. never end i don't yeah, see why it
2: should anytime soon biopics did we miss something i know there's probably a, you yeah. guys have great ideas out there so why don't you share them with us you know dm us your... on instagram yeah send it in DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Send us an email. Send me an iPod at ProtonMail.com. It'll be a lot of fun. You'll love it. While you're doing that, you can also take a moment, just a brief moment, maybe uh, rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that whole area. We would love to have a rating if you feel we're worthy of it, only if we're worthy of it. But if you Look into your heart. And give us yeah. a rating, that's right. <laughs> let's do this. Come on, let's take it up a notch. Let's, we want to be the best of the best. We're here to rival any movie podcast, and we'll go on any show to prove it. I'm saying it right now on the air. Any show,
3: like, Rest oh, year. yeah, of us <laughs> no, so, right, we
1: we get mean? on the view and try to talk about why our podcast is <laughs> amazing. We only talk about of white men <laughs> biopics.
2: I want to get. I want to get on The View and say, I'm going to take a picture of myself on The View while we're talking so I can take a picture. I just want to take a picture with The View. That'd be cool. All right, let's cut the crap. let's get into it. The main event. It's time for Does It Hold Up? Our weekly segment where we dive into deeply, fully and completely a film selected by either listeners or one of us where we talk about Does It Hold Up?
0: badger run how the hell did you get up here oh I can always walk I've been faking it touch me. Listen to me, Irene. I don't even know who you are. I'm the same person I was yesterday. I can't hear any more of your lies, Jereen. My name is Vincent, right? Vincent Anton Freeman, and I'm a faith birth or a degenerate, whatever you want to call it. But I am not a murderer. You're a godchild? But we do have one thing in common. Only I don't have 20 or 30 years left in mine. Mine is already 10,000 beats overdue. It's not possible. You are the authority on what is not possible. Aren't you, Irene? They have got you looking so hard for any flaw that after a while, that's all that you see. For whatever it's worth, I'm here to tell you that it is possible. It is possible.
2: Gattaca 1997 film directed by Andrew Nickel and written by Andrew Nickel, starring Ethan Hawke Uma Thurman Jude Law Gore Vidal is in this too. <laughs> and uh, I had never seen this film. This is interesting. Uh, I got a lot to say on this, but you know, let's let's open it up. Uh, Travis, this was your choice. Was. You forced us to watch this, I and uh, I watched it. Why? Why did you make us watch this? You <laughs> why,
3: recall- did I, why did I force you to watch this movie?
2: Do you recall where it all began? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Did you watch it on VHS, or did you see? It I, w- I watched it on VHS. I missed it in
3: theaters, Um, and it was one that I remember catching on VHS. But like, I, I don't remember when I first saw it. But I, I know that it was one that, like, a very kind of it, it really quickly became one that was just one of my favorite movies um and it has like for a long long time whenever asked like oh what's you know what are your favorite movies this would be one of the ones I would throw out in my in my pat answers you know and i would probably watch it once a year or more for a long long time but i had not seen it in i don't remember i don't think i i don't think i've seen it in the last seven eight nine years or so i'd, I'd gone probably the longest in my life without watching it so i've been wanting to watch it for a while and then i kept on thinking well I feel like it'd be a good one for this podcast, so I deliberately held off on watching it until yesterday, and uh, and I have things to say about
2: it. I do believe you so, oh, yes. Eric Bransham, do you remember the first time you saw this film, and what was your initial reaction? Uh, I I very much remember, because it was last night. I, 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 I never <laughs> seen
1: this before. No, I, I seen, Neither I, one of you guys have seen it. I kind of remember maybe seeing it, I just fucking completely forgot all about it, so I was, I was really excited to to rent it and chime in, because I, I love another movie where Ethan Hawke really wants to uh, go to space, and that's Explorer. So I was excited to see if he could go two for two. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we both had never seen it before, Eric. It was our first viewing. I, uh, I too, watched it last night. Oh, boy. Uh, I've heard a lot about this film. It's built up a reputation, and it's not... <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 all right hang on I'll, I'll get into that in a second okay so i'd never seen it before it's interesting i was immediately hooked in so i will say that and it was a very very um uh enthralling film it sucked me in and i was fascinated from the start because you don't know what's happening at all i had no idea i'd never had any spoilers somehow i had managed to get by 23 years no spoilers on the film <laughs> at all so that's cool but of course as okay. always we like to show you what uh, people think of the film and on imdb did you look up the rating, Travis, or did you have care to venture a guess?
3: I'm going to venture a guess. I didn't look it up. I'm going to say it's probably like 6.1. 6.1.
2: Hmm. Eric Bransham? Yeah, I'm not far off. I'll just go 6.0. Well, gentlemen, you might be happy. Well, Travis may be happy to hear this. 7.8. <laughs> 7.8. All right. Wow. I would give it a 10. That's a 10. High ranking. Very high ranking. It's almost 300,000 ratings that's pretty good that's pretty damn good and then on the rotten tomatoes the most elite authority on movies <laughs> there ever was 82 uh, 82 for the critics 87 for the audience the audience likes it more than the critics wow so,
1: okay uh, i have to say i'm really excited to hear from the critics themselves in 1997 <laughs> because i read that ethan hawk and andrew nichol struggled with the marketing department to find uh, a favorable, you know, quote line to put on like the posters in the cover <laughs> box because they weren't kind.
2: Yeah, uh, I can see that. I actually thought about this when I watched the movie. Like, this is a hard movie to market because it's all over the place. But we'll get into that. Uh, here's a couple thoughts. Uh, we have a, let's see, let's try Jack Gardner from the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. A smart and stylish cautionary fable. Seven out of 10. Okay. That was uh, back when it came out. And this is also another one that back when it came out, Scott Rosenberg of salon.com in the early days of salon.com. When they sculpted the DNA for the perfect race in Gattaca, somebody left out the gene for self-knowledge. That's interesting. That seems a little harsh. Uh, Let's see. Let's see if we can get somebody that we uh, love. Who's a, Who's a lovely... uh, Who's a regular on this show that we always check in with? Destin
1: Thompson. (laughs) Yeah, of
2: course. Oh, here we go. We got Roger Ebert. Uh, He said, at a time when we read about cloned sheep and tomatoes crossed with fish, (laughs) the science in Gattaca is theoretically possible. Ooh, okay. That's good. Let's see if we can find Destin Thompson real quick. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if he checked in on this one. Uh, Some reason he didn't, guys. I'm sorry. I, I wish... I had better so, news on uh, that. Did point. someone
3: else at the Des Moines Register have anything to say? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think Desmond works at the Washington Post, doesn't it? Oh, is that what it was? I thought it was at the Des Moines Register. Like oh, Here we go. Here's one more. This is Jack Matthews from the LA Times. That's a supposedly reputable newspaper. It's far <laughs> too serious to be taken <laughs> seriously. And I actually... I kind okay, so let's get into it then. I mildly agree with that. It this movie, the the soundtrack, the score alone, the score alone, it takes itself so seriously. The score, <laughs> is so fucking serious. From the moment ah, the movie starts, yeah. it's like, oh shit, there's gonna be no jokes in this film at all.
3: <laughs> there, you're you're right about that. I don't think there's a single moment of levity. Maybe, well, Jude, Jude Law maybe has one or two, but yeah, um, yeah. but the and story- I I. I'd said on the last episode that the that the that the score is one of my is my favorite of all time, and I still feel the same. Wow. But uh, more like I, I, the themes, the hooks, you know, like the big moments, um, really, really, really stick with me. There, there is some moments where the score is really sweeping and kind of saccharine, and maybe just a melodramatic and a little much. I'll, I, I will grant that on the, that on this viewing, I did I do agree with that. But um, but there are moments of the score that I think are just. Uh, transcendent, and other people agree. Interestingly enough, if you if you watch the 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 Trip series with Steve Coogan and that other British man who is more famous in Britain than Steve Coogan, but whose name I don't know, Rob, uh, the trip, yeah, Rob,
2: the, Rob the, be something, Rob, this,
3: the, the the Gattaca score, Michael Nyman's piano oh, version Rob, of the yeah. Gattaca score is in in like all of those movies. Weirdly enough,
2: oh, is that what that is? I wouldn't have known that yet because yeah. I watched the Trip, but I never seen this film. So yeah, uh, I know there's a guy with twelve fingers in this movie playing the piano, so that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh,
1: twelve roses next to him.
2: Ah, okay. So yes, the yeah. score <laughs> takes itself very seriously, and it does look beautiful at times, like when they're walking through, when uh, Uma and Ethan are walking through, like the whatever the hell uh, yeah. that is, watching the ships go off at night and the suns Everything. coming in the morning. That, that's pretty cool. I yeah. them that. Uh, Eric, what do you think of the score? Is it beautiful?
1: gorgeous it's like a uh it's like a digital Symphony I don't remember hearing anything like it in the late 90s we heard this is kind of when Moby was coming up and we were getting into that kind of electronic uh thing in terms of actual film scores so techno yeah. uh yeah I, I remember hearing this sampled in in trailers and stuff so I had like that kind of deal going on going in but it was one of my favorite parts of the movie, for sure. Michael Nyman has been doing incredible work for forever. In fact, we're probably going to be talking about him next week. Hint, oh, hint, hint.
2: hint, hint. Oh, boy! Oh, that's exciting. Uh, okay, so so I had never seen this movie. So my first introduction to Jude Law was really like uh, Enemy at the Gates, like 2000-ish. And, See, for me, uh, it was this. Yeah, see, I totally missed this. And this was, I thought when he showed up, it was gonna be like, oh, he's like a bit part for a second, but he plays like a totally legitimate role in this film. So this truly was his big first, yeah. like, American film. Yeah, and third uh, lead, I mean, yeah. yeah. And he, you know, he's doing his Jude Law thing. He does a great job <laughs> with this film. I'll give him total credit for he that. He it. He's so cheeky. Yeah, he's always oh yeah, very very cheeky. Solid job, Jude. Yeah, Congratulations.
1: No, no one does like a pouty, mopey, like pissant better than Jude
2: Law. But in, yeah, in
1: a good way. A good way. <laughs>
2: yeah, and totally I'm- mastered it in closer. That's where it finally mastered <laughs> yeah. it. So.
3: And I will say, I mean, let's. I mean, while we're on Jude Law, I will, I will get to the meat of this movie for me early and get it out of the way, which. I am a rubbery crying mess at the end of this movie every time I've like ever watched it I weep like a fucking baby and I I thought maybe this time I wasn't going to do it but I did uh, did. (laughs) because every time when I see the the Jude Law in the incinerator and you see the metal with the two brothers swimming on it i am just talking
1: about it. Mm. Yeah, I really would hope people have watched Damn. the movie if you're <laughs> um, my hair on my arm is standing up and I didn't really care for the movie. <laughs> it's so
3: powerful. That, that moment of just him reaching and and yeah, obviously it's like there's no mechanisms to keep you from doing that. Okay, fine. We can we can pick it apart. <laughs> but um but the but the symbolism the moment of it of of him taking his own trip at the same time as is is a uh, vincent g- gets to the stars it just uh gets me every fucking time you don't miss your flight vincent
2: God, I want to feel those feelings. I love emotions, and I didn't oh, feel that at all. I was just like, <laughs> is this wow. fuck I'm like, oh, of course he's killing himself. That's exactly what I thought when I watched that part. And this maybe goes to the my heart of the movie for me. So, you love this film and you find it to be very, uh, you know, powerful and it does have some incredible interesting themes we could discuss more, yeah. you know. It's, it's clearly the thing that, it's clearly talking about discrimination and how we're heading towards a genetic discriminatory society and it's been you know, it's looking pretty prescient on certain levels in 2020 mm-hmm. now. I will right. give it tons of credit for that. But it just fucking overplayed its hand so much. It's like, it's like shoving it down my throat. And the movie, the way the movie starts and then all of a sudden it dives into this narration, that kind of fucked me up too. I'm like, oh wait, we're going back yeah. in time now? It's like, it's like 10, 12 minutes in the movie before like, now we're narrating. Let's go back in time. Like, right, now we're okay. back with the brothers and what the fuck's going on here? Now Elias Cotillas is here. It's, it who's? And that's true for a, a loop. flashback. I'm confused yeah, it did because, because the way the An movie started, this movie's crap. It doesn't tell you shit. It just starts off and it says, yeah. okay, here we are. This guy's it, doing weird shit with right. bags on around exactly. his legs. And I like
3: the movie, I mean, the movie, like it, it trusts its audience to have some intelligence. So like, and, and some patience. And then it kind of explains what's going on. And, and I think it does some, uh, some good world building. I mean, like, the, like you get a sense of this society that they live in like the, this dystopian society um you know everyone's got like these different names different ranks and uh, different you know all different classes and stuff but yeah i i to go to your uh, first point real quick i think that especially watching it in 2020 i think we can discuss some of the ways that it that it that it foresaw some things like the erosion of privacy for instance um but so much of this is an allegory for discrimination and that kind of stuff it's like wow it really would have been more powerful had they thought to perhaps cast a person of color now i love ethan (laughs) hawk (laughs) i love ethan hawk but in a lot of ways the movie does kind of feel like um trying to make white people see what it feels like to be to feel discrimination i think is Mm. some 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 of what's going on there but but it it also makes some really good points about privilege be that privilege of class or race and where you start off matters and um some people are going to look at your makeup at what, you know, what's on paper rather than your merit or your skill or your talent or anything like that. So there so there is, I think, some problematic stuff here. Agreed. Um, but overall, I think that the the the, the whole uh, idea of beating the limitations that that not just society places on you, but your own family, uh, yourself. Um, your your own class the way ornus borgnine is like don't shine that window through that that glass too clearly you know uh you, you might get ideas like he has to like he has to constantly overcome the things in his life and that i think that's why the movie speaks to me so much um but i uh i do understand also that i spent decades
1: watching this movie and i have
3: <laughs> nostalgia and different feelings about it than you guys oh, yeah, I, you know
1: do. yeah uh that that first chunk maybe that first even i think i paused it at 32 minutes and i'm like this is kind of shoddy, sleepy voiceover, all extra yeah. dump, and and in fact, that first half hour was really where I was tuned in, and after yes. that, you know, after that setup, I was kind of just watching them go through the motions. But there was I felt little the part here and there that I thought were uh, incredible. I love like when they did the whole retro future thing because, you know, it. it, it especially in the nineties because we had movies. It was in the nineties. It was all sci-fi action, demolition man and Johnny pneumonic in uh, the matrix, but we didn't have any real, just quiet cerebral science fiction. So I like in cube was another one, which was actually really fucking cool. Yeah, but I, I like that. They just kind of settled down and tried to tell a, a, just a quiet allegorical story about ambition and competition and purpose and identity um but yeah after it's set up it 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 kind of lost me it's like it's if i was i don't know it's just and i'm going into weeds but we'll get into it a little more later but mike let me pass up a Tom before i run out of breath
2: well i'll tell you yeah that the, the 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 narrated exposition threw me for a loop because i was really sucked in immediately i'm like oh what's the whole beginning really did suck me in. I'm focused. I'm like, wow, what's happening? And this guy's like doing weird shit. And he's making these. He makes that weird look when Gore Vidal comes up to him. He's like, hey, while he's typing. And he makes <laughs> Ethan Hawk makes this like like sinister, like fucked up look. It's kind of yeah. sick the way he looks at him. He tries to look at him with such uber confidence. But uh-huh. once we find out later on that he's just totally a full of shit, anyways, and he would never be that confident almost. He's trying to sell it, but it's i don't know the way the way it goes back later and it starts to look it starts to crumble and i just really got bothered by this whole brother thing and the fact that they fucking brought it back and i knew it it was telegraphed so blatantly later on is what bothered me the most about the flashback it's like oh god this is i'm like oh are they gonna die in this in the later race when no oh he, he doesn't die he saves him okay so this is gonna come back later in the film it just seemed I guess it was a little bit of weak screenwriting for an overall film that has a lot of great screenwriting. Uh the dialogue in this movie is not great at all. Actually, if you really start to break down the dialogue, it's horrible. But mm. the the production is outstanding and the direction and uh, the the cinematography, set design, the, set yeah, design, yeah, the yeah, production yeah, yeah, design, the cinematography. Yeah. How the fuck did they the, the, the the, do the some of that stuff? Like um like they they really created like all those computer rows. Like mm-hmm. that had to have been a real production set and like um Beautiful. and I don't know, they must have done was that CGI that they did when they're outside and they have these, like some of these shots looked real. So.
1: Well, so, so much of it was they borrowed a lot of Frank Lloyd light locations, but it, it reminded me of that oh, Godard yeah. film alpha bill. And luckily Nicole has the courage and the wherewithal to shoot in these beautiful wide shots where we see all this gorgeous production design and everyone's just these tiny little, these little pawns and this just what is like a downloadable digital world. Uh, I have no nothing bad to say about the art direction or the or the cinematography.
3: Yeah, I think that um, it's it's worth noting, and maybe you know this is uh, whatever, but it is his first writing. It's it's, a, it's his first oh, God, screenplay. Yeah. It's his first. It's his first uh, time. First, he's a first time director. It's a debut film. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm not saying that there are some, some issues with it. There are some clunky transitions. There is some wooden dialogue. There's, there's some moments that are, that don't work, but the stuff that we're talking about for me, you, you take the, the themes of the movie itself, especially like these themes of identity. Like you can't talk about Jerome Morrow. We have to talk talk about Vincent or we have to talk about Eugene because you have these two characters sharing this one identity and, um, and I there's there's so much going on with in terms of like eugenics and all this other like this Frankenstein mm-hmm. kind of science stuff that we can do, but it's all it's all buoyed by this gorgeous cinematography, gorgeous architecture gorgeous (laughs) set designs that just that keep it to me make it uh, hold up in ways that maybe some of the things like make me ignore some of the things that you guys are talking Mm -hmm. about because it just is so visually gorgeous to look at through most of it it's the greenest movie i've ever seen in my fucking life i mean there's just so much green in this movie
2: Okay, yeah. So let's break into some of this. So Tony Shulub shows up as like this fixer. He's the guy you can't find in the yellow pages. Take it 25
3: percent because they they got the yellow pages in the future still.
2: Yeah, they still have the yellow pages. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) so he shows up and he connects the two together, Jude Law and Ethan Hawke. Eugene and Vincent so they can share this identity because Eugene's been paralyzed. He's had everything given to him, right? He's had the perfect genes. He's the creation. He's part of the elite the elite status of class that's been created by genetics now only. And genetics are now the defining trait, even though we everybody seems to still be white. Maybe that was another reason too. They think- I think that's oh, I think that's kind
3: of on purpose. There are there are yeah, black that's what people I in this movie like Blair Underwood, but also Yeah, right. Blair if, Underwood's in the
2: credits and I'm like, "Oh, cool, Blair Underwood's in this." And he's like in one, one, fucking, scene. Scene. Yeah. Yeah, one yeah. fucking
3: scene. Yeah, one fucking scene. And he plays a geneticist, but I but like I was kind of struggling with that too. Like maybe like I mean there again, there's black people in the movie, but there's there's like in the future does everyone program their kids to be
2: white? Is that what's well, happening in this movie or is it just <laughs> or is it
3: just like a really fucking white movie because it's Yeah, I'm the, not sure. Because when maybe he, a bit
2: of both, I don't know. When he takes off, by the way, what about this? So when he finally takes off in the ship at the end, is he wearing a fucking suit? Like a fucking suit in they a rocket
3: suits. They wear suits. It's like like I mean Not a space like, suit, not a space suit. A
2: fucking business
3: okay. suit. All right, listen. Remember in the beginning of the movie it says the most unremarkable thing in the world is happening. Jerome Morrow is supposed to fly to Titan. This is not a remarkable event. Like like to them space travel no. is not something that you put a a space suit on. It's a like almost like a business trip. So, I mean, like, yeah, that's why he's wearing a fucking suit.
1: Okay, so, (laughs) remember, you know that place, (laughs) bear with me, but you know that place, Dave & Buster's? It's like this arcade. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Of course.
1: When I was, like, 20, you couldn't get into Dave & Buster's unless you were with at least someone 25 years old. And I wanted to go there so bad. I was already a grown man. So I seriously thought about creating a fake ID so I could go to this <laughs> magical place that looked like a lot of fun. That's this movie. This guy wants to go to space and he has to literally like basically like create a fake ID in order to go there because it looks fun. I don't know how much they get into it at the beginning. He wants to go to Saturn's moon. There's not enough of a payoff for me. I don't get this whole, uh, you know. Yeah. Yearning to go to space. It should have been something different. It should have been to get out of this world that he doesn't agree with. Something.
2: Yeah, it really seems like he really wouldn't have gone based on everything that happened and changed, and like he seems so satisfied with everything else that he shouldn't have gone. He should, I'm gonna stay here with Uma Thurman and live a wonderful life because she's very beautiful. And he wasn't working his entire
3: he didn't he didn't have two inches added to his legs and spend you know run away from home at 16 or something. He didn't do all this shit so he could get a girlfriend.
2: Yeah, but I think Jude Law had a lot. I think he would have given up. I think Jude Law actually pushed him forward in that part.
1: Who, who yeah, in some ways, yeah, Yeah, because he was ready to give up. Who's gonna have a bone saw taken to their legs so they can go visit Titan? That, he that, would. This guy,
3: this would. guy did because yeah. he's, yeah. he's driven.
1: But yeah. I mean, I, I think
3: that there's also other allegories that can be made about this movie as well. There's this there's this point where um, Ethan Hawke says to Tony Shalhoub, he says, I'm going to give it 100 percent. He says, that will get you halfway there. And he's very serious because you need two people giving 100 percent to live one life. And that's now. That's today you need a two two person income to really live in properly in today's society. I think you need like a married couple. I Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's all kinds of things I think that kind of like run through this movie where it's like uh, uh, maybe it's intentional. Maybe I'm reading more into it than it's there, but that was one of the things that stuck out to me. And as someone that, you know, I mean, eugenics is kind of what I study as a historian in a lot of ways. It's what I'm writing my dissertation on. Um, so to me, to find a lot of this stuff in this movie, um, I think they do a pretty good job of representing the anxieties of the time and anxieties that we have now. Because, of course, CRISPR technology exists now, and we already have people like in China just going willy-nilly with it. The um, And we don't yeah. really know what's going to happen uh, in the future. So, so for all of the uh, moments of like the stumbling moments in this movie, I think that the themes, its prescience, uh, how gorgeous it looks. I think that uh, I think it's, there's a lot more going on here to make it worth catching. The, although I agree, like you might have to uh, have a little bit of a forgiving, you know,
1: sense going into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I admire. That's why I love that first chunk so much, especially that that scene with Blair Underwood, because it makes you think about. The parallels that today, I mean, we with in vitro fertilization, you could choose the female embryo over the male embryo, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, I mean, so that's just one small particle about what's happening right now. And you want to talk, you want to pretend there's not gender discrimination in the workplace nowadays and that we're not giving equal pay to women just based on the Y chromosome.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. That's all true. Uh, This is Cinema 9 Podcast. This is a philosophy podcast. We talk about social issues and we break down. (laughs) No, I'm just going to Pod. This is the movie podcast where we look at films. Uh, Hit us up on Cinema 9 Pod, ProtonMail.com, Cinema 9 Pod. Instagram and Twitter. We're discussing Gattaca. If you just tuned in, and this isn't a radio show, so it's fairly likely you just didn't tune in. Because- yeah. Fast forward <laughs> 42 minutes in. <laughs> you know, maybe some people, they just, you know, they get willy-nilly with it, and they just randomly pick a point in the show and jump You're in the like radio show. I miss radio. I wish podcasts were like radio. Did Anyways. anyone
1: else think that Alan Arkin, like, like stumbled onto the set and read yeah. his mind yes. off his postcard? Okay, so that- yes, he, yes. Is, he is hopelessly miscast in this movie. Yes. I will come
3: out and say it. I mean like underutilized and miscast. Like he, he doesn't like it's like yeah. what am I doing here? That's what it sounds yeah. like.
2: It's like it why, could have why been it could have been anybody. Boys. <laughs> wow Ellen Arkin's here. Cool. Did you guys great.
3: uh did you guys catch Ken Marino Yeah did you catch Maya Rudolph? Did you catch Maya Rudolph? Yeah. No I didn't yeah. catch Maya Rudolph. Where was she yeah. in it?
2: So the delivery uh she's one of the nurses when the baby gets <laughs> delivered Oh, yeah, I it, yeah. and and
3: I, I, but I did miss
2: Ken Marino. Oh, I did miss Ken Marino.
3: Oh, yeah. He, he was the, uh, the the tech that wipes the lips. You, can't, you don't even see him. You see his reflection. <laughs> he has one line. You can just see his reflection.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's a good point. So speaking of wiping the lips on this shit, all these moments where he should have <laughs> been busted. He should have clearly been busted. And it goes on way too long. Like it starts at the very beginning. So the eyelash gets sucked up. Okay, let's start which, Hang on, what a
3: fucking shot. To go quick shout out to the uh, to Slawomir Idziak, the cinematographer. Thank you. Thank to you. go from to go from Ethan Hawke in movement to this eyelash, which admittedly was probably a bigger eyelash an actual eyelash, but still like the the technical difficulty of doing something like that, unreal.
2: <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. I give you that. But it starts there and then it's like, oh shit, the eyelash, I'm fucked. It's over. And this guy but this just goes to the part of the movie where people don't look at photographs anymore. OK, so it's hard for us to maybe that's one of the difficult things about this film is it's hard for me as a human being because we look at photographs. We can clearly still see people and we tell the difference between them. <laughs> but this actually goes. This also goes to facial tech. Uh, facial recognition technology and things mm-hmm. that are going on now too, how it's being misused and people are being accused of crimes based right. on the technology that they have not committed that's a current right. issue in our yeah. society yeah. and now in this movie it's all about hey we wouldn't even look at a photograph we just know that a facial recognition technology <laughs> and your blood and all we have all this stuff that just instantly covers who you are so it doesn't even matter if yeah. you you we know you are you and, and I, no
3: one and I, no one even looks at the pictures which, right. That's is, what
2: I find hard to. That's why no, it's hard for me to.
3: That to me is the whole point. That to me is the whole point. I mean, like, not only did they they sweep up the, the eyelash and they're like, oh, there's an invalid. Obviously, he's the murderer right. because this this goes back to like Victorian ideas of like this is a this is a genetically not genetically but like this is a uh, inherently inferior, inferior. Human, be- human being human yeah. being. So they must be the criminal.
2: Right. Yeah, his pictures plastered all over every desktop in that room that day. Right, he was right, like, right. oh, I'm fucked. I'm so fucked. Nope, you're right. not fucked cuz there's no pictures anymore. And then Gore Vidal walks up. Is this the <laughs> flight? Yeah, oh, oh, you... oh. just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but, Come on. But, 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 Cheesy amateur hour. All
3: right, so on one hand, I kind of agreed that like, all right, like how the fuck are these people not recognizing ethan hawk here right mm-hmm. but on the other hand i, I like i think if there's an important moment that happens where where ethan hawk hands off a cup to ernest borgnine and Ernest yeah. borgnine's like uh, have a good evening mr morrow because ernest borgnine just doesn't see vincent anymore it's impossible like no one can like no one sees it like because like the the, the their brain just rejects it the idea that someone of of lesser because ca- it all it all reveals their own prejudices that someone of lesser caliber of lesser worth
2: that they could possibly be at Gattaca. It's yeah. just but, it's impossible to them. Like the but same, it's not the too distant way- future. It's not, so I guess I thought it would not be that too far ahead in the future. So I still feel like photographs would have been. I don't know. That's why when it says not too distant future, maybe I took that too literally. And that's yeah. something I should ignore. But I often wondered in that point, did all these people get paid off? I thought there was a payoff scheme going on here with the doctor. And Ernest Borgnine and everybody, because when he goes in you know. for the blood sample and he pulls out quick and then just hands them a blood vial, it clearly implies that they're in mm-hmm. cahoots. But but well, Xander is in cahoots. You got you picked up on that, right?
1: Well, he's an ally. He's an ally. That's what I right? love about that. Wait,
2: but when did we find that? So Borgnine's not an ally. He's just Borgnine's not mutant. an ally. He's a How dupus, am I supposed to know that?
1: Goofy well, old man who's friendly. <laughs> well, you know
3: from Z- you know Xander because at the end of the movie the, we, we're calling him Xander. I don't know if the character's name Xander Berkeley. At the <laughs> the I mean, he, he, great, Xander Berkeley. The, the, the Graneker, Xander Doctor. Berkeley, he, who, who admires Ethan Hawke's penis. In the beginning of the movie, he um, before he admires his he penis, he, he says to <laughs> he says to him, um, "Did I ever tell you about my son?" And right. he brings it up throughout the thing. So right. we we're, we're getting hints early on that like. Xander knows he's been helping him all along. He knows that he's a borrowed ladder because his son, because like a lot of people, it takes like a personal experience before it can actually develop empathy for a situation, but because his son has this, this condition, even though he was supposed to be perfect. uh, Xander who's in charge of this shit. He, I mean, he says to him, like, for the record, guys that, you know, guys that are right-handed don't hold it with their left. He knew from the start, he Xander Berkeley, like this never could have happened without Xander Berkeley's help throughout the way, but he didn't realize that he was helping right
1: yeah um this whole future world is is fucked and it's sad you know the the jude law character i I make fun of him for being this mopey pissant but (laughs) he is probably my favorite character in the film because what's so sad to me is it is even if you're a valid if you're a disabled you're screwed for life to the point where you know you, you you don't even have any opportunities anymore even if you're so you know quote unquote this perfect human being um it, i don't know i lost my train of thought but
2: oh lost my train of thought here <laughs> oh,
1: I'm, I'm definitely having much more fun talking about this movie than i did watching it i guess i'll say oh! that. Yeah, you guys pick it up. i kind of wow. thought you might i mean like like i was
3: thinking more like mike because I, I didn't know that you hadn't seen it either but i do feel like it's the kind of thing that like on a on a viewing what's going to stand out to you is probably the music the somber tone and the, like the the um you know the, the important themes i guess but like the more you start sussing it out the more you think about it, the more you can get to these all right like for instance to go back okay. to mike's point about um the, the the kind of retro futuristic thing going on they got like this perfectly the you know i was conceived in the in the riviera the detroit variety this perfect car that looks both like 70 or like 50s 70s and the future at the same time um they like they are talking about the way that the FBI, for instance, has, or the intelligence in yeah. general, has beca- right, it's all like this. Yeah. It's all invaded our lives. Like the, the surveillance is, like, that's why we have these Hoover's or Jay Eggers, uh, you know, Anton's the only one that doesn't wear the hat, but there's, but there's all <laughs> these, but there's all of these, um, hey, right. There's all these references going on, like about the ways that, This world, the Gattaca world, it is a mirror of ours, right? Like, it's, 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 there's a, there's, um, we are like Nickel was seeing our privacy be eroded. He was seeing, um, the ways that privilege determined, uh, our, 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 who, who we are in society, that kind of stuff. So, like any good sci fi, I think that, like, it, it resonates because it's talking about our reality, not, not this
1: world that he's built. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it it comments on the state of music and art and literature. I love that music. The date, I never really got too much into the romance of it, but I do like the fact that they're making a comment on what music could be like in a future world. Well, you'll have genetically, genetically manipulated musicians, but the musical sound beautiful. Uh, Any good sci-fi is going to create a very textured world like that. It's not just going to be this future world where people are walking around in, in alien costumes, Um, (laughs) you know, Uh, We haven't really talked much about Uma Thurman, who's just spellbinding. She's like a living Botticelli painting in this. Yeah, but she's uh, completely underutilized. Underutilized. Yeah, it's
2: totally mannequin.
1: And yeah. (laughs) Underutilized. uh, And that's why the dialogue comes into play most with
2: her character, by the way. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I'm just not buying it. I mean, the the love isn't because of his plight or this growth and understanding about his dreams or vulnerability. It's circumstantial because he's a nice guy. He's good looking.
2: Right. And it's mostly symbolized real quick, real quick. It's mostly symbolized to me in that moment when they escape the dance club and then they are hiding and they're calling out for Vincent. And then she's like, let's just make out. What? No. She says,
3: yeah, she says don't. She she yeah, asks him who's word. Vincent, then she says don't answer.
2: Yeah, because don't say be, a word.
3: Because that's, that's kind of like Eve in uh uh our our last <laughs> film in North oh, by Northwest. Sorry. We have we have a character here that I, I think that she is drawn to. him. She's drawn to him in part because she suspects. I mean, I think that she might even at one point suspect that he's the killer. She suspects that he's a borrowed ladder. We know that um and also as she's like when she when she goes to the get him sequenced like she throws this the sequence away because she's disappointed she literally looks disappointed to see that like because she gets the she gets one of uh, eugene's hairs that he's that vincent's planted there and she's disappointed that he's not a borrowed ladder she's like i want him to be flawed like i am flawed
0: yeah because because she's got that going
3: on in her condition so i think that i think that there's some good stuff going on with there and i i do think that the um I, I get your I get your point that some of it is a little um forced and stuff and a lot, you know like she you know she she doesn't do much in the movie other than exist as his interest. but I mean, I think that she is drawn to him because she sees in him like her own flaws and um and the way that
1: he like she hopes that he might be be who he is. and mm, yeah. I think that's powerful. That's a good
2: point, Travis. yeah, she's a vessel for transition in this movie. like mm. oh hey, let's go to Eugene's house now. okay, I'll take you there. I'll sit there in the passenger site and won't say a word. I I don't know.
3: She's also another person that he couldn't do this without her. Like he only gets like, like there's all this stuff that like all of his own merit and all the work that he does. He needs help along the way, like Xander Berkeley and like her and like, and like Gore Vidal who will murder to get Mm. what he wants.
2: What a nice guy. Thanks Gore. He doesn't have a violent bone in his body. Great
3: director, uh, kind of a weird actor.
2: Hey (laughs) Gore, you're a weird actor Gore. And that's a a little, little bit. So weird guy, Ace. Weird guy. Uh um, we, we you know, can't
1: we can't avoid it, Mike. I mean, we've been we've been skirting around this for a long time and it can't be avoided. So nope, let's, do let's it. just get to it. The swimming contest. Is it dumb?
2: <laughs> so dumb the dumbest thing in the movie by far. It's what took me out of the movie in the flashback scene because I actually kind of liked the flashback scene once I've t- accepted the fact that I was watching a narrated flashback scene. I like, oh, know the actors
1: that- are like five years younger than they are at present day, and they look nothing yeah. like them.
2: Yeah, yeah. And they I just keep they like throwing out a few years here and there. I, and the they, next I, mean, I,
1: I agree they probably should have had Ethan Hawke play
2: the,
3: his younger self, yeah, but absolutely. the kid the kid that played him actually didn't do a bad job. It wasn't bad. kind of looked guy, like he,
2: him. I'll give him that. With the glasses yeah.
3: especially. <laughs> um, yeah, but
2: the I just don't I get totally disinterested when these like cheesy forced It almost seem a little forced like, hey, let's create a controversy. I know he's the superior genetic brother and he's the less than brother. So that's built in. And that should naturally maybe create a divide. It's true.
1: It, well, it's it's cheesy, but it speaks to your point about drive, and you're right, Travis, that was one of the biggest determining themes of the film, and at the end when he says I didn't save energy for the yes. swim back, it's about driving, it's de- it yes. determination. Do I wish it he, they did something other than, you know, go swimming and in in, in, a, in the ocean, which was actually Andrew Nichols' pool because they forgot to film the close-ups. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that that also leads me to the fact that that bullshit about the heart when he goes on the treadmill. Oh, I just put this little clip thing on. I recorded I like that a perfect heartbeat. Now nah, fuck that. He would have totally like been busted. And then all of a sudden he's running like that and he just breathes. At believe, least there was some lying. tension, which there wasn't any
1: tension in the re- entire movie except. Yeah, for I don't need tension.
2: I I need like I just want authentic. And if it's gonna be a movie about being like a genuine honest look at what the future could really be like it just seemed like that was a bit of a stretch and if he's had his heart condition he probably would have gone to the hospital for christ's sake it would have been not like oh i'll just ride it out in the locker room for five minutes while i breathe heavily
3: one he he can't go to the hospital because he'll be picked up as an invalid exactly Um, two hey that's what i look like after i work out i collapse and walk around too. Um, um three (laughs) <laughs> um. So I, 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 I understand. I, I don't agree, but I understand where you might find the brother swimming part cheesy. But to me, yeah, I think it's I think it's integral to the movie. I mean, the, the first time it happens, um, Vincent says this is in the over in your in your much loved uh, voiceover. He says, this is the moment that made all possible. Because every everything up until you know he leaves right after that. He literally the next morning he gets up and yeah. leaves, he leaves his home because yeah. he realizes that the limitations that I have been internalizing and accepting that people have been telling me my whole life are bullshit. I can beat Anton, and he beats him again. So yeah, I, I for me I, I I get where you feel the way you do, but for me it's it's a really powerful scene. It's a powerful moment in the movie, and I also think there's something going on here about and you know oh wow a movie using water is like a symbolism for life. Um, <laughs> Like how unique and original, but um it also like I think it connects really well to one of the best shots and best scenes in the movie, which is the love scene between Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke, which is filmed upside down. There's no nudity or anything, but it's upside yeah, down you scene get of all time. You get it's the best. It's a it's so amazing. It's Dude, pointless. I, okay, just stop for a second. Let me talk. <laughs> um This the the shot that shot of the ocean, that beautiful green ocean upside down and, and, and them coming together. I think it's so, I think to me, it's like one of the most uh, gorgeous shots in the entire movie. And the, that it's like upside down. is so just like, um, like the way that their world is being recreated for one another. I don't know. I think, I think it all works very nicely.
2: Oh, okay. Now that you're done, I'll tell you how terrible it was. It was a pointless (laughs) scene and I just couldn't give a fuck about that. I'm like, why are we enjoying this? Let's just leave the hair on the pillow. Yeah. no there
3: was nothing for Mr. Skin here, so I'm sure it didn't. No, there was, really no there was no there was no
2: moment to really take in and be like, this is a passionate love scene. I just didn't buy the passionate love in the first place. Like it said, because it went back to that moment in the alley where they're like, just shut up and kiss me. Don't say a word. I just yeah. I didn't buy it. I thought it was forced. That's why I don't like it. Forced. it just doesn't
1: get, get a hot woman on the poster. What do we do with this character? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, Uma Thurman is an extremely talented actress, and I just thought she was underutilized in this film. And hey, we will disagree. That's what the show's about. But you know as we start to kind of maybe wrap this up here i
1: could talk about really, this for another hour even i know, know i know we, know we could
2: that, yeah but uh let's try to, to cover. let's try to be respectful of our listeners um we didn't talk about Warren <laughs> dean man joe lies when he cries Joe lies. we didn't talk about right, Dean about about norris either. dean norris let's, popping in right let's talk about i want to talk about the fact that the brother actually ends up being the detective in the end
0: so long, you don't recognize your own brother. Are we brothers? Our parents both died thinking they'd outlived you. I had my doubts. What are you doing here, Anton? I should ask you that question. I have a right to be here. You don't. (laughs) You almost sound as if you believe that. I committed no murder. You must be disappointed. You've committed fraud. Listen, you're in a lot of trouble, Vincent. I can get you out of here. Do you have any idea what it took to get in here? You've gone as far as you can go. You come with me now! There are still a few million miles left to go. It's over! Is that the only way you can succeed, is to see me fail? I'm telling you. God, even you are gonna tell me what I can and can't do now? In case you haven't noticed, I don't need any rescuing. But you did once. Well, you've got all the answers. How do you explain that? You didn't beat me that day. I beat myself. Who are you trying to convince? You want me to prove it to you? It's not important, Anton.
2: It's forgotten.
0: I'll prove it to you. You want me to
2: prove it to you? I'll prove it to you! I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. It's just, isn't this a big world? Are they in the same city? Is there just one city left in the world now? I mean, I mean, how do you guys feel about it? Travis, you've seen this movie. You love this movie. How did you feel about it? You remember how you felt about it the first time you saw it?
3: I mean, I, it's a little convenient. I'll grant you that. Um, I, I also am willing to suspend my disbelief when watching a work of fiction. So I can kind oh, of, boy. you know. I I get like the the again like the point of that's being made. This is one of the things I actually like about Lauren Dean's character is that like he's actually a good cop. He's actually like I I think it's like I think it's actually important that he's one of the only guys that the only guy that's not wearing a a hat in the Hoover's because he's actually doing good procedural work. He's the only one that's like now what motivates him. You know, obviously, is probably um, his own feelings about his brother. But he's like just because there's an invalid here doesn't mean he's the killer he's the one that's like let's let's look again at uh the corpse like he's right all along Mm -hmm. but what's interesting to me about it is that once he figures out that like his brother is not the murderer which he didn't think his brother was the murderer he still wants to take him in because there's still like this this desire to control this desire to like uh lord over his brother like his his uh, supposed superiority, like the, his ego, that drives him to do this, it makes him be like, "You want me to prove it? I'll prove it." And, and then he still like almost dies yet again. Um, so I think that like it's an important character. I, I don't, I'm not the world's biggest Lauren Dean fan. I
2: don't think. Yeah, you
3: like Mumford.
2: I, I love Mumford. I, I actually do. did like Mumford quite a bit, but I yeah, but
3: He's yeah, this isn't my favorite. Like he's not my favorite part of the movie by any. I don't any.
1: think
2: he's a very good actor. I think he's I like looking
1: while I watched the film that it would be kind of interesting to tell this story from his point of view. I remember that was mm. a topic from a few weeks ago, because the fact is we've got a valid that's a detective in, uh-huh. in the police organization. So are all cops valids? Do you guys think fucking bumbling caricature of a, whatever the fuck it was, Alan Arkin was a valid. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Think I he felt like was. Was. Yeah, he was. That's that, why, that is, uh, that,
2: that's why Anton was in charge. He's a villain. Yeah, that, that he, could be a He's always younger. Gary, I mean, oh, that's yeah. true.
0: Hello, everyone. Nice to see you. I am your detective for the evening. Please don't leave the premises. I said, nobody leave. Am I speaking in some kind of strange foreign language?
1: Check the hips. Check lenses. Check dentures. I want napkins. I want cigarette butts. I want the saliva of teacups. That's a criminal face. Check them out. Will you? Yeah, for me, it it was a little convenient. And I did have to wonder, like, is a detective kind of like a schlubby job for this supposed super being as a valid? Not if he's the director. Not if he's like
2: the leader. If he's like the guy running the show. Yeah, Got you. Because everybody reports to him. All those other guys are wearing hats, and they just are sort And they they set that up earlier.
1: He says, you know, let me take it from here because I think he knew who Vincent was from the the start. And I I kind of like it. And the whole movie, let's be honest, if we look at this, like it, it kind of reminds me of like, just like a really good pulpy short science fiction story yeah. that they, oh. they stretched out, uh-huh. but, but has a lot of merit in, 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 in its integrity and the storytelling. It's got a lot of narrative problems for me, but, but, but yeah, let's, let's, we're, we're reading very much into it and it's fun, but you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards, you know, maybe some more positivity as we get it all out.
2: Okay. That's fair. All right. So let's, Let's wrap it up, gentlemen. Let's finally give our bottom lines. Uh, I think uh, I think we know where Travis stands. I mean, add anything you want to finally add, Travis, in your closing thoughts. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a ton to add. Admittedly, I think I've, I think I've made my case. I I, um, I, I I propose movies generally when it's my turn that I think you know that, that I think will hold up, but I'm not entirely sure. And I and admittedly, this didn't hold up quite as well as I thought that it would for me oh I, mean, oh I mean like it's i still love it but it's, as i've said before in the show I, there's something different that happens when you sit down with a pen and paper and like kind of pick a thing apart um so i noticed some of the clunky transitions and stuff that i hadn't noticed before and some of the stuff that we've talked about already but yes i i overall absolutely feel like this movie holds up i i i um I hesitate to use the word masterpiece that Mike used earlier, um, but I do think that it is one of the most visually gorgeous films from its era. Um, I think it has important, important themes. And I think that um, I I like Ethan Hawke quite a bit. And I think that this is one of the better roles for him. I think that if you like, if you like Tony Shaloub and Elias Cortez, these kind of oh, small oh, yes. like Xander Berkeley, like this movie's peppered with really great character actors. And of course, Jude Law. Um, this is just a really I think th- I think it's a really beautiful role for him. I mean, it's it's a tragic yeah. role. Um, so for me, yes, this movie holds up.
2: Okay. Well, that's solid. And you know, it does have a 7.8 on IMDB. That's a very high rating. So it's universally approved. Eric, mm. what do you think? Oh,
1: I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And you you know me, no one flip flops more than me. I mean, the more we talk about this, I, I might even take another look tonight. I got the rental for 48 <laughs> hours. But the, the fact is that, you know, we, we live right now in 2020 in a world where the, the elderly have these suggested designated times to go buy milk and eggs. Okay, we get temp checks before we can walk into a target. So this stuff is coming, all right? So it it's important that we think about it, ruminate on it. I'm glad there's a film that was surrounded by fucking dumbass movies in the 90s that took a chance. And God bless this studio. I forgot who it was. It took a chance on this director
3: Miramax. who went
1: on to make beautiful work. He wrote The Truman Show. I actually like that movie, Simone. Lord of War has- Love Lord of War. in it. Um, and he made a whole career out of these technological what-ifs. The film has- this operatic beauty that can't be denied uh it's it, it's got it predicts things like electric cars and this is and that's that are you know something we to, still talk about to this day this slayer IDZIAC, whoever he is he shot a lot for um i think peter greenway but he shoots it like this pulp tale from this futuristic jazz age that's that you can't deny okay um so there's a lot of merit in it uh, and aside from a few Maybe narrative issues. I think we got a pretty good movie that just didn't sink its claws into me enough.
2: Beautiful, I think. That so, is-
1: does it hold up or not, dude? <sighs> say the words.
2: Make a choice. Take a stand. <laughs> I,
1: I I gotta say, I, I I think it does hold up. It's it's definitely oh! worth worth checking out.
2: Right. Right. You made Travis's day. Congratulations. Uh, I think it's real simple. This movie well, you see, it as a matter now. Oh, I'm no, right. You think it holds up. Ah, <laughs> in what you have to say now. Ah, look at that. Change of tune. By all means, go on. Yeah, please. This, <laughs> this is <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie definitely holds up. It does. Now, there's obviously clunky issues, like you okay. said. I think, Eric, you actually expressed it quite well. I, I wouldn't Thank have you. done it better myself. So you said it all. It holds up. Uh, it's uh, a fascinating film. It doesn't try to be anything but what its purpose is, and I'll give it credit for that. And there's always going to be minor issues because, you know, we're elite film snobs, and we're going to rip <laughs> on certain parts. Damn right. You can't get anything past us. If you're going to try to pull the Christopher Nolan trope where you repeat oh, your, you. Uh, oh, yeah, the wind must have took it. You know, they do that thing. Oh, you know, they do the repeating of the phrases. Oh, time. To me, Christopher Nolan will always be <laughs> synonymous with any repeating of a phrase, thanks to Inception and Batman, and that's still... <laughs> An amazing director, but I'm always going to say that. So good job, congratulations, Gattaca. Good choice, Travis. I'm really All glad right. I got to watch the film, and uh, it's off my books now. So yeah, I will. I will job. actually. W- yeah, I will watch it again because I want to see it maybe. Uh, maybe we'll make it more emotive. Maybe I'll buy in more if I get a couple of watches in me. So. Yeah, being that you guys had never seen this before,
3: and you know. We're we're entering it fairly critically. Like I do think that when we're watching the show for the a movie for the podcast. We feel like we're going to approach it a little differently. So your yeah. second viewing, I'd be curious to hear I, what you to say it, about that.
1: One last thing I'll say is I probably could have used a co-writer on on this one because it was mm. script in in direction the whole gambit. But maybe sort out some of them bugs and you got me.
2: Okay, fair enough. All right, this is Cinema Nine Podcast. That's our breakdown of does it hold up for 1997's seven's Gattaca. Not to be confused with a similar film, but actually it's not similar at all. It was called Attica. It was about Attica. It was an HBO real. Attica! <laughs> Attica! That was dog day afternoon. It has a uh, stars Kyle McLaughlin. And uh, yeah, it's an HBO film that's about the Attica uprising of the 1970s. Oh, so yeah. it's actually nothing to do with this film at all. It just yeah. sounds like it. But it did come out around the same time. Anyways, check us out online. We'd love to have you follow us and we'd love to communicate with you. Cinema 9 Pod, ProtonMail.com. Cinema 9 Won't Pod, somebody Brandner. call me? Oh, I'm so lonely. How much you bench? Okay, so let's get into (laughs) our... uh, I'm not on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into our quarantine Uh, viewing viewing picks. Uh, That's the final part of the show. This is our favorite part of the show because we always get great recommendations from everybody. Usually more Travis and Eric because I just have not been watching the movies like I was when we first started the show. But yet, I'll try to do my best. Travis, give us what you got.
3: Well, you know, when when this podcast started, I um, was... Thoroughly enjoying my unemployment And I just did my best To <laughs> oh boy just kind of see how many Movies did I can cram into one day week? Um, My life is Starting to catch up with me Very quickly and my my Movie viewing is plummeting As a result Um, I did manage to continue my journey To see Nick Cage movies that I hadn't seen Before this time that included right, Valley Girl Yeah fuck you I like Nick Cage I watched whatever. Valley Girl tonight too oh, yeah. I, watched, yeah, you
1: did. I literally watched that earlier today
3: Oh, it's funny. I watched that a few days ago. I'd never seen it before. I watched, and from 1983. And I watched Next from 2007, which was trash. Oh, but whatever. But whatever. And oh, it, 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 it's got like good reviews on the IMDb. And I feel like this is when things really started to go downhill for, for him. He was still wearing a wig in this movie. Yeah, that's um, Ghost Rider. Yeah. But hey, I like the Ghost Rider movies, but not for the reasons, oh, they, not the reasons they want me to, the people, the filmmakers.
2: I'm glad you didn't pick um, those movies. Yeah, uh,
3: I watched. Uh, let's see, I watched In the Tall Grass from last year. This is a made for Netflix movie that's based on a novella by uh, Stephen King. Speaking of, and Joe Hill, his son, who is not the labor uh, activist from the nineteen twenties. What did you um, think, Travis? Did you see it?
1: I hated it.
3: I didn't. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I watched it. I liked Patrick Wilson in it, even though he played like the same character that's in every fucking Stephen King movie, yeah. like a father that goes apeshit. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't love it, but I, it was it was worth the view. I didn't love it. Um, the, the, I watched The Rental, which is uh, Dave oh. Franco's uh, debut, which is getting a lot of uh, attention. Yeah. How was it? I keep wanting to rent it. a um, Rental? You know, I feel like um, there's other movies recently that have done what that was trying to do better. It did kind of sit with me longer than I thought it would. Um, I kind of ended up thinking about it some the next day and kind of being creeped out like the next day thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um but it's it's like i like a I really like a horror movie like i was talking about the wretched uh, on an instagram post recently i really like a horror movie that develops its characters and makes us care about the people it's going to kill off but (laughs) like this is a movie that basically it's an hour and a half movie and it's not until the third act until anything happens you're just watching like this drama between like friends and relationship stuff for like a long time i'm kind of like give me something um, so I, I liked it. I, I think that Dave Franco has stuff to offer in the future, but I, I, okay. I don't know how much I loved it. I, um, my final recommendation, since I, I like to pick like one major movie of, of my, my week, I'm going to give that to 1976's assault on pre precinct, uh, precinct oh, 13. Yes. I'd never seen it before. I've been trying to catch oh, yeah. all of the John Carpenter stuff. And, uh, Genius. that really holds, holds up so good for having a bunch of fucking nobodies in it. That mm. movie is just, it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a watch. It holds up really good. It's really entertaining. Um, just badassery left and right um definitely recommend
1: give john carpenter a career oscar by now i mean yeah. let's get like
3: achievement
2: award yeah yeah hey, do you One guys the think best when you're there. when you're dead you'll remember all these movies we've watched I know that on my deathbed, I'll say, I wish I watched more movies.
1: Carpenter's <laughs> <laughs> should have got the lifetime. <laughs> God damn it. I never uh, catch that Elvis man. made for TV movie. Damn. Oh, it. Yeah. oh Kurt Russell.
2: Hey, yeah. 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 do yeah, you love
1: show.
2: me? Uh, no, 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 <laughs> All right, give us what you got, Eric. Uh,
1: you know, I watched a couple of movies early in the week. I watched the Tesla biopic with Ethan Hawke that I posted about on Instagram. It just oh. It's been haunting me since I last saw it. Is the better, filmmakers uh um, the prestige. What yeah, yeah, yes, he did, Michael. But Is now it what I mean, well, it's it's very different because that was a fictional story uh. and you know it wasn't really like the real Tesla. You know, yeah, there was this. It was a really unique biopic. This guy, Michael Amareda, he did uh, Hamlet reimagining with Ethan Hawke in like 1999 with Bill Murray. Ooh, Remember that? Yeah. Oh, God. God. It's like way it's left field. It was hard to watch. It was way in left field. And he's he's dabbling that his, his recipe is in this one as well. So you get a lot of kind of silly nonsense in here with the Tesla biopic. But it's interesting. Um, I watched Manos, which is a Colombian film that is just... Gorgeous. I call it
2: hands in Spanish. Indeed. Does it?
1: Yeah. I called nice. it uh, Lord of the Rings Meets Apocalypse Now because it's about these gorilla teenagers and it's just, it's really something. You'll never see anything like it. Other than that, I wa- <laughs> i watched six seasons of the Antiques Roadshow on PBS. Oh. This is there a movie not- podcast, right? Was, I'm sorry. No. I know there's not much to say there, but I have to say, there was this old man who got a really great appreciation on a Navajo rug from the mid nineteenth
2: century, and that made Navajo. Happy. <clears throat> <I'm,
1: clears
2: throat> I don't know what to say about that because I never watched that show. In fact, the closest I've ever come to watching that show was when I watched Grandma's Boy when they were watching the show in the movie. So. Derek, Derek Shepard? Shepard. Eric, how was the uh, I was how was Derek Shepard? Oh, what he about? It was a great podcast. He lived in Milford. So, so Derek Shepard Eric, was not in Grandma's Boy.
3: Eric, how was the cinematography? Oh in
1: uh on for anti throat so <laughs> cut this
2: cut this shit it's so dumb <laughs> the,
1: the cameraman
2: who set up the tripod spell parents malik would blush <laughs> what, what would Roger uh, Deacons uh, make of it good question interesting uh okay Eric uh I like <clears throat> I like your suggestions I won't watch any of them but uh you know I'm interested okay I think my voice he's, is falling apart do you movie my voice is falling apart there we go we're back so.
3: professional podcaster
2: continue Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Mike Gobier. This is the Cinema Night Podcast, and now it's time for me to share my quarantine viewing picks. I will tell you this. I watched one movie besides Gattaca, so I can't use Gattaca. Um, <laughs> At least I watched, you watched Gattaca. And I want to get you guys' take on this because it's a sports movie in a sense, but it's also oh, not. But it is. It is uh, Moneyball, 2011 Moneyball with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, two great actors, uh, but it's about baseball. So did you guys ever see that film? Yeah, I, I,
3: it's one I saw, and like I continue to be mystified by the accolades and attention that it draws. And it's got, <laughs> it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it. it's got good yeah, actors yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. Which I've been meaning to watch it again, mostly because of PSH. But like, I remember when I watched this movie, just kind of being like, everyone's like, all this Oscar buzz was surrounding. I'm just like, this is just. A movie. This feels like Tin Cup, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but not funny. <laughs> Less funny. Oh my gosh! I I right. haven't seen it, but I I met director Bennett Miller, and he was a very warm man. He shook my hand, looked me in the eye, and seemed like a really sweet person. One of Philip Seymour Hoffman's best friends, actually. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, yeah. That was God. What an
2: honor. I I know who um, Philip Seymour Hoffman played in that movie. A real he played a real life guy, Art Howe. He was a baseball manager of that team. Yeah. And to see Philip Seymour Hoffman play Art Howe was mind-blowing because if you know who Art oh. Howe is, they're just it just shows the range and the incredible ability of Seymour Hoffman. Even though it's a smaller role in that film, Art Howe is like this tight ass like Texan southern dude who is just old school as fuck and Philip Seymour Hoffman just dove right into his character and it was yeah. flawless and it's just fascinating. It's it's so incredibly well done by him. Sure. Overall, I only like the movie because I like baseball, and I I like that part of it. I just wonder have, why non-American people.
1: You had it's formally cool. said that his performance as Lester Bangs was your favorite Philip Seymour Hopper performance. Are you going uh, with this Art Hollow fellow?
2: No, 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 no. no, no. I'm, I'm sticking to what I said earlier, but I do. I just want to. It's just a reminder of how good he was, and his range was, I think, almost... Limitless. Lester Bangs and Art Howe are two real-life people, okay, and they're on the opposite spectrum of humanity. Trust You're right.
1: me, they're <laughs> right. so far apart. It couldn't be more like a
2: super conservative and like a super rebel. It's yeah, and he nails it. So that just makes me sad now, actually, but. Uh, anyways, yeah, that was what I watched I, I, I blew through Moneyball and I liked it. It's not an Oscar film by any means, in my opinion, but I, I do like watching it because it just kind of flies by and it takes you inside what's going on, the world of baseball, which you Is that don't guy,
1: Uh Chris Pratt in that one of it. The- yeah,
2: that's when he was starting to blow up. It was yeah, 2011. Yeah. He played a guy or another real life guy. So, hmm. yeah,
3: I think I need uh, to revisit that one. Especially, yeah, I, I mean,
2: anything with Philip Seymour and I'll rewatch yeah, Brad Pitt's really good in it. You know, he does a good job. So I'll give him credit. And Jonah Hill's the fat Jonah Hill in that one. And I guess usually people prefer the fat Jonah Hill as a Best Supporting the Actor movie. nomination. For that movie? For Moneyball, yeah. 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 Fucking kidding me. Yeah. Seriously. That is so not necessary. That oh was my one of the reasons. I'm pretty sure I saw it after all of that. And that
3: was partly why I was like, what is what is all this attention this movie's getting? And you know, wow. like why is he getting the best, <laughs> the best supporting actor nomination for that? It seems that like it's on a the stretch. That is a
2: true like campaign job to the max because they're that's only, what I'm no, well, that's what I'm no reason for that to be. I mean, yeah, you know, he does an adequate job, but there's nothing special about the role in the first place. Oh my I, god, I like
3: him! But like, give, if you're gonna get me, like, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, okay, give oh, me yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not for that, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm done.
1: Bennett Miller, beautiful filmmaker. I love Capone and uh yeah. Capote okay. and uh Fox Catcher, yeah,
2: yeah. Didn't he, he do ain't. something though more recently that kind of was trash? I, Maybe I'm just rambling here. But um, I, yeah.
1: I, I don't know. I thought it, I thought yeah, I'd be on top weird. of that because of his movies.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Those are our uh, recommendations yeah. for the week. And as we uh, wrap up the show here, um, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's about uh, that time. Yeah. <laughs> wrap in. And Eric wrap gets in, nervous. Eric, are you nervous or excited to reveal I'm this? Pumped. Page? I've been waiting. Uh-oh. All right, okay. so hang on. It's Michael, it's a Michael,
1: Ly- Michael Nyman, uh, score, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, I was gonna go with oh, you a movie already changed it. So scored no, I didn't change it, but now that I think about it, maybe I won't bring it up so I can because I think I'll do that at another time.
2: Oh, so, okay. all right, good. I well,
1: mean, the well, movie the, well, going with, I've always been going with, so I was gonna be like, well, I was gonna go with blank because Michael Nyman, uh, but now I'm going with this.
2: Okay, well, the floor um, is yours, okay. sir. Take it
1: away. <laughs> Travis, you, you'll like it. Don't worry. I would like it. What I, I like doing the podcast. I'm gonna <laughs> what, right right?
2: what about me, man?
1: <laughs> Mike, Mike, who knows? It's we're staying in 1997, if you can believe it. All right, oh, this is a, me? this is classic Cinema Nine podcast, right? We're this not going back about to else. 1959. All right, we're not fucking around anymore. We're staying. In, confidential. We're staying in '97, where you loved it when it came out. But do you still love it? It's gonna give us an opportunity to talk about. David Fincher without having to fucking talk about the Fight Club and all in 7 <laughs> oh. we're talking about the game the game, oh, the game. Michael Douglas and Sean Penn Oh dude there's a lot to talk about Nice this movie, choice. This movie, was,
2: movie was huge back when we were was seniors. It?
1: I think it, it was, so was unappreciated when it came out. And I think it absolutely is going to surprise a lot of people.
2: Well, oh, I got good wow. news for you. Uh, even though everybody, all my friends, including Travis and Steve, like everybody I knew seemed to have a copy of VHS copy of the game. There's a reason they, for that. I'll
1: talk about next week. It's but really I- funny.
2: But I never actually watched the whole movie at all, so this will be exciting oh, for me. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm pumped. I think this is going to be a great opportunity Dude, to talk yeah. about David Fincher. The, I, the problem is, the, fantastic choice, way. Eric. Yeah, it's a great choice. Unlike Gattaca, though, I don't have a. I kind of know like what the movie's about, though, so it's kind of. Do a you though? You're well, uh, you yeah. now,
1: man. You might think differently about the father son. No, no,
2: I, no, no. That's cool. I'll look at it a different a different lens. It'd be awesome. I do have an awareness of like what happens in the film, but maybe it'll be still fresh. We'll see. So it could be great. I'm excited. This is a great choice. This is a good choice. I, I I can't wait to watch this film. I'm looking forward to it. I've been wanting to watch it for years. It's been on my list. You guys are nailing uh, movies for me to cross off my list. Thank One movie everyone. at
3: a time. We're gonna we're gonna kick off 1997 for you. And then we'll get and to Next week.
2: Next week, I'm gonna choose Strange Wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> can't wait. I really just I really do creek. want to pick something that's so fucking dumb that I have to make you guys watch it. But nature I also calls. Want to, we're gonna do nature calls next week. <laughs> I also don't want to waste my opportunity. They we'll only come more. around every four weeks or so. So All right. All right. Well, hey, cool. So All next right. week it's the on game. the game. Michael Douglas, uh Sean Penn. Sean
1: Penn. Yeah. Epikare Unger. Um, what's that old dude?
2: Uh Run is it Udo Udo
3: Karen? Oh, Armin Mueller Stahl. That's who's in it. Oh, he was so good. All right. I'm looking forward to this. Let's let's okay. talk about it next week, though.
2: Great. Sounds good. All, All right. right We've well, been listening to the Cinema Nine podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out online. Please uh, give us a rating on uh you know the iTunes world, the Apple podcast is it's now called. We would really welcome it. We're trying to make a difference in the cinema game. One, movie Won't somebody rate me? Yes, please. <laughs> Anyone. Listen, beautiful English accent of... The one and only, by the way, I didn't know this was a David Fincher movie. So that's fascinating. I thought I knew everything about I David Fincher. To talk about. So underappreciated. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, yeah. So check us out next week. Watch the game in the next seven days. Take a picture of yourself watching a VHS box <laughs> copy of it and send it over to us. DM us on Instagram at Cinema9, Cinema underscore nine, Cinema9 underscore pod or whatever the fuck it is. Cinema9
3: underscore podcast.
2: There it is. Thank you very much. And of You're course, welcome. Twitter. We're on there, and you can watch the show. You know, if you've been watching, some people came through and watched. Well, thank you for watching the stream. This is the awesome. podcast. We are done. Thank you so much, everybody. Well done, gentlemen. Godspeed.